Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And I just want to draw you, this is one of those Sundays where all of the readings are just so amazing and so rich, and I want to encourage you to uh, sign up for your church, because in there we'll touch on some of those readings, like, for example, what we believe. St. Paul tells us what we believe and what he proclaimed as chief importance, and it wasn't life tips, it was the gospel. And then we begin to see also in the second part in Isaiah how we worship, you know. They, he walks into this, this area where he sees the Lord and he sees the angels flying around and we hear that in our own liturgy because we believe that we're in a thin place. He hears the angels saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. And then we enter into God's glory, uh, which is his passion. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we're brought right to the front of Palm Sunday. So you'll discover all of those things and those like um, amazing gems that make what our worship so rich at your church. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to sign up for that today. Um, I'm going to preach on the gospel because I think it's really important and it uh, really brings out our message and our mission, especially on this annual meeting Sunday and what we're about. Our reading from the gospel is probably one of the most uh, uh, touching scenes in the New Testament and it relates profoundly to uh, our Isaiah reading, no doubt. But here we have Jesus and he's preaching to the crowds and the crowds are pressing in on him. Uh, So much so, uh, they're there at the Sea of Galilee and uh, there's this large crowd pushing in on Jesus and Luke tells us the same time there are these fishermen coming in from a bad night of fishing. And one of these fishermen is is Jesus' acquaintance, Simon Peter. And uh, they get into Simon Peter's boat and they pushes out and then he begins to teach the crowds from there. And finally, when Jesus is done teaching, he tells Peter to put out into the deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Uh, have you ever told a fisherman how to fish? <laughs> it's like never goes well. Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but when I read this, I pictured all of the fishermen just kind of stopped and looked at each other and muttered to themselves, what does this guy, this former carpenter t- turned rabbi, what the heck does he know about fishing? You know? See, every fisherman, especially in the Sea of Galilee, knows the fact about fishing, that uh, it's easier to fish in shallow waters at night instead of deep waters in the middle of the day. Because all the fish go way down where it's cooler. Now, if you look at the text clearly, Peter's got a kind of a twofold response. The sinner and the saint working at the same time. First, Peter says, man, we've worked all night long and have caught nothing. Translation, I'm really hot, I'm tired, and I'm ready to go home. However, the second thing Peter says, the saint here, I mean, this is very powerful. This is the response of faith to Christ's command. Yet, if you say so, I will let down my nets. My translation is, at your word, at your word, I will let down the nets. This is my first point. Jesus' word, his promise to all of us, creates the faith in us to trust him in our hearts. It's not faith isn't something you muster up. 
Faith is the gift that God gives you to believe Jesus. Yet if you say so, yet at your word, I will let down my nets. Despite everything around Peter, all of his instincts, all of his training that said, go home, get some rest, put your feet up, fish in shallow waters at night, in the midst of all of the evidence, to the contrary, Jesus is giving Peter right here a living lesson to trust him at his word. And it's no different for any of us. The same is true for all of us. All of our instincts, all of our upbringing, all of society, sadly even much of the church, says this word, this gospel, that you are justified before God by grace through faith and not your works is ultimately a fool's promise. But hear me today, brothers and sisters, when our Lord says you are forgiven, when our Lord says you are clean, when our Lord, by virtue of his death and resurrection, declares you as righteous, you are. You are. And this word creates faith in our hearts to believe God, sometimes despite what appears all evidence to the contrary. Jesus is calling us as his disciples to trust him simply at his word. You are righteous. You are forgiven. Now, nothing in this next moment catches Jesus off guard at all, but it freaks the fishermen out totally. I mean, the nets are bursting, they're full of fish, they're in the deep, and the boats are in danger of sinking. And I imagine everyone, they've got to call the other boats to help, and I imagine what everybody is thinking. Dang, there are a lot of fish. Bring that carpenter and the lucky rabbit's foot with us every time, you know? Because we're going to be rich. We are going to be rich. Except for Simon Peter. Except for Simon Peter. He gets it. Simon Peter sees all those fish flopping around in that boat. And in one of the most profound and least pretentious moments in the gospel, he falls to his knees and says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. Peter recognizes in this very moment that he's not just in the presence of a great rabbi. He's in the presence of the Lord of creation, the Lord whom the wind, the waves, and yes, even the fish now obey. There have been a number of articles about the overwhelming number of people who are now joining recovery groups, especially as we emerge out of the pandemic for alcoholism. And I'm deeply interested in this because AA began at Calvary Church. And one of the reasons for the rise of alternative recovery groups is the negativity associated with the confession, I'm an alcoholic. Don't want to say it. It's too negative. 
In most AA meetings, if you've ever been to one, uh, before one can speak, they introduce yourself. You introduce yourself as an alcoholic. I've always been intrigued by this, and I once asked uh, a number of years ago a sponsor who had been sober for 25 years. It's like, you've been sober for 25 years. Why do you still say you're an alcoholic? And he said, the road to recovery always begins with an acknowledgement of who I actually am, not who I want or think I should be. I mean, that's profound. The road to recovery always begins with an acknowledgement of who I am, not who I want or think I should be. I would say that this is also the road of Christianity. We may not want to be, or think we should be, certain types of people. However, our confession is we are indeed, like Isaiah, people of unclean lips and lives, including your rector. A string of broken commandments is the evidence against all of us by what we have done and left undone, things known and unknown. And all we can do is confess it. Although maybe not touching a drink for 25 years, those who are in AA begin with, I'm an alcoholic. Christian, although you've been covered in the blood of Jesus for 25 years, maybe even just a day, we always begin with, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. See, the gift of faith that God gives us, it not only enables us to trust Jesus at his word, but it gives us an insight into who we actually are. Sinful. Isaiah recognized this in the presence of God. Woe unto me. Without faith in Jesus, here's what happens, is, and you see this all over in our cancel culture society today. Without faith in Jesus, we are hope, hopelessly deceived into believing that we're basically okay. We're better than what we actually are. We have an overestimated view of ourselves. And like that sponsor in recovery for 25 years, who's helped endless people to stop drinking, and still says, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic, before they speak in a meeting. Faith in Jesus pulls back the veneer of self-sufficiency. And like St. Peter, like the prophet Isaiah, leads us to fall on our knees and confess who we actually are. Sinners, men and women of unclean lips, now I know what some of you may be thinking. Gosh, that's just so negative. Such a downer. However, faith in Jesus actually leads us to confess that nothing could be further from the truth. It allows us to be who we are. It's as Nancy Hannah says, the flip-flop sense of the gospel. And this is my second point. In a flip-flop sense, strength is always found in the admission of weakness. Winning, just think about a relationship, winning is often found 
in losing. As the alcoholic ultimately finds his strength in his, in his admission to weakness to alcohol, as Christians, we find our strength in the confession, like St. Peter, that we are sinful. This powerful confession, though, filled with the Holy Spirit, enables you to lift your eyes up to where your hope is found, where our righteousness is ultimately found, and where it has already been totally given, the gospel. Jesus died, risen, ascended, all for you. And the good news of the gospel, I mean, what we confess is that not that God works with good people getting better, as I said a couple of weeks ago, the gospel says that in the midst of our confession, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man, Jesus never does. Instead, he clings to us all the more and continues to declare you as a saint right now. For the gospel, you see, is the good news. This is why St. Paul declared it as chief importance. Because we get so messed up, we get so inward focused and trying to find some power within, and we move from feeling on top of the clouds one minute to totally depressed the next. The good news of the gospel proclaims to you that sinners not only stand in God's presence, but share with him in his ministry. They catch fish with him. They catch people with him. And they serve with him all in his kingdom. You see, God only calls sinners. He's not looking for good people. Do not think that I have come to call the righteous. I've come to call the unwell, he says. That's flip-flop sense. God only calls sinners and God only uses sinners. And in that confession, we hear the voice of Jesus. Give Peter and all of us our vocation, our calling. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. Uh, That, fishers of people, it's got all sorts of interpretations. But what Jesus means here, from now on you'll be catching people, what that means is, is that you're actually a person who really loves and cares about people. With no hope of reward or return. As a disciple of Jesus, in genuine compassion and concern for their neighbor, Peter and all the other disciples would eventually cast their nets out. Cast their nets out into the world. Cast Jesus and his gospel, that's the net, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And it's still true with us. This is why it's not about life lessons or self-improvement plans, because if you look at me, I'm a disaster. You know what I mean? I mean, there are lots of other people doing great things that have never come to church. But there's only one thing that brings peace of mind at the deathbed. There's only one thing that's going to see a person through that moment. And that is the net of Jesus that hauls people through the clutches of death into life everlasting. And as fishers of people, 
in genuine concern and compassion for our neighbors, we at Calvary St. George's continue to cast that net of Jesus in New York City here as well. This is my third point. In our day and age, basically when everything is permitted and nothing is forgiven, I mean, think about how cr- the crazy world we're living in. And do what you like. You do you. <laughs> but not that much. Or you will be eviscerated. Everything is permitted and nothing is forgiven. We live in a world where people are running themselves ragged. Trying to hold it all together. Trying to be strong. Trying to be perfect. And you and I, though, in word and sacrament, we're, we're caught in that craziness, too. We're all caught in an algorithm. But here, in word and sacrament, you hear the gentle voice of our Savior say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because you're in the same boat with Jesus. Because by grace, he's gotten into our boats to save us. And by grace, he's brought us into his boat the church, so that we might be kept safe uh, through the waves and the battering of the world. Don't be afraid. By God's grace, through his spirit, you have been brought into the ark, this church, and we will follow him and cast forth that same net of the gospel, the good news shared and preached. So, that others may also come to know, sinners though they may be, by his atoning blood, and that alone, they too, like all of us, have been made the righteousness of God. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. The gospel says I never will leave you or forsake you, but I will be with you until the very ends of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.